0: Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Find Nemo, Snakes and Ladders, Connect Four, Splat Attack. What are we talking about here? We're talking about soccer and a brilliant approach to solving a big problem. Stick around to find out what I'm talking about. I've seen it so many times, an adult with good intentions volunteers his or her time to coach a young soccer team. Their coaching director is too busy, often coaching several teams themselves, and there's little thought or guidance on how to actually develop young players. So the novice coach scours the internet and finds training exercises for some of the world's top professional clubs. Then kids are confused and frustrated when they cannot please the coach by executing very specific and technical drills that are infinitely too advance for them, or the kids grow bored because the coach takes too much time to explain the elements of what they're working on. So what happens at the end of the season? Many kids decide soccer just isn't for them and they give up the sport. That was in part the experience of David Baird himself growing up. He mostly played pickup with his friends and his natural talent provided him opportunities to play in a more structured environment and the coaches there drained his love of the game. Now as a coach and teacher, David's developed a curriculum designed to add a key ingredient back into the equation, especially for the youngest players. Fun. So what I mentioned at the start of the episode are different games that David's developed. Find Nemo, Snakes and Ladders, Connect Four, and Splat Attack. In part three, we're going to speak to David on how scoreboard soccer came together and his thinking behind it all. Let's get to it. So United Air Emirates, Scotland and the United States, you know, I think there's a lot here in the United States, a lot of lament around the fact that the men's U.S. soccer team hasn't succeeded more. In sort of your perspective of dealing with boys and girls in the United States, what are your thoughts on the state of the national programs and development of footballers here in the United States?
1: I probably know more looking back now because um, I was young and I, I was in a little bit of kind of tunnel vision. I had my program, my teams, with my fellow coaches, my colleagues, and I loved every minute of it. But if I look back now, I probably wasn't too clear of well, what is the pathway for the ones that are high performing? You know, I wouldn't know where to maybe signpost them to get into some of the you know regional or national development programs. But I'm sure that infrastructure is a lot better now. You know, I actually have a good relationship with with former head of coach education, Ian Barker, at the at the United Soccer and some of the ideas and and some of the knowledge you shared with me was just absolutely fantastic so I have no doubt that although I left in 2016 in four years it's probably came a long long way but there are some like finite things that I think would really really help American soccer I think you need to see it to be it you know and I think if we could if United States can just get that one shining light that they've had in the female game they've had some fantastic you know Carly Lloyd etc you know Alex Morgan if they can get that in the male Game. You look at what Tiger Woods has did for golf. You look at what Michael Jordan has done for basketball. You, you know, if you could, if you could produce that, because when I was in the United States, all the role models were, you know, David Beckham wasn't long off of playing there, and he was, you know, an English person towards the end of, of his career. Fan- fantastic football, David Beckham. You were bringing over Robbie Keane. You've had Pele in the past. You know, the players, uh, the young boys and girls are looking up to Leo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. If you could get an American that can really show that this can be done, like you could go and be the, the Leo Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, but, but but you're American, I think that would really, really help. Yeah, the, the, the culture that I experienced w- was a little bit of the issue, and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, I'm only voicing my opinion with with some of the things I've seen in American soccer. We have our barriers and our challenges here in in Scotland and the the, the wider uh, United Kingdom, I have no doubt, around, you know, finance and programmes. We would love to have more money for more facilities, more programmes, more coach education, you know, and, and, and we have our barriers here. But I think America have the same barriers around maybe too much money in some regards. It's funny, every every country has their own barriers. And what I found quite a lot over there was a lot of people were driven by that motivation of making money through soccer, which was, in, in some regards, it was a shiny new thing. So what you would get, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but I'm, I'm taking it from real life examples I've seen, you would get an organisation saying, OK, we're going to put on this best fee, best environment, for player development you know it's going to be all the top teams we're going to have 10 teams in the league it's x amount of money we're going to play at the best facilities with and against the best best players now if it was ten pounds to play in that environment they weren't going to say no to someone that wasn't good enough that wasn't going to challenge them so they would take 11 12 13 teams because they were money oriented and i've seen the same not just with programs, but but also with individual teams. You know, we're trying to get a a structure here of the the A team, the B team, the C team. And and the C team shouldn't have negative connotations. It just goes on to what we spoke about earlier. That's just where those players are in their journey. And they can move up and down depending on how well they're doing and what challenges they need and this kind of thing. And we're going to have this really, really great structure. But it's, you know, it's five grand a year to take part. And the second, there's a player who's not quite ready to play in one of the teams uh, that should maybe be in a participation programme for free. They're not going to turn that boy or girl away because they want that that kind of five grand. And that was just a little bit of what I seen. That was like the money was steering the ship a little bit when actually it's the it's the kids that should steal the ship. And And I think that brings challenges, you know, the difficulties of getting... Boys and girls with and against playing at the appropriate level is really, really tough when you're just going to open the door to anyone who's willing to pay. And then, of course, you have the kids who maybe can't pay and they're fantastic little players and they're fantastic little characters and um, they bring so much to the game. But you're going to give the position to someone who can pay over, maybe someone who can't, and that's really, really tough. And I've seen some really creative and fantastic things that some of the clubs did in New Jersey, in North New Jersey, where they would have, you know, I can't remember what they called them, but hardship programmes or something like that, where if, if there was a parent who could pay a little bit more, they would pay a little bit more, and that would cover the cost of someone who was maybe struggling. But we there wasn't enough formality around that, and there wasn't enough of that, in my opinion. That's wonderful insight, David.
0: So David, Scoreboard Soccer, when was the aha moment where it came into your mind, you know, that you wanted to develop something around this, Scoreboard Soccer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm blown away by the response because I, I'm at the I'm a coach who coaches so often. I'm always at the coalface face out there doing it. And and, and what we have here in, in your hands there in book format is just something that I've done for years, you know, and I've never thought any more of it. So there's a really big push and this this ties into the the conversation around youth soccer in America. That that kids need to play more football. Okay, coaching's great, and, and and helping them with some information and giving them some guidance, some feedback is great. But there's a massive, massive place of learn by doing, you know. And it was actually the demise of street football that's maybe hurt a lot of Scotland's success in the international stage. You know, before we had, you know, coaches actually maybe over-coaching and, and taking creativity and intuition out of players, we had. Dennis Law, Archie Gemo, Sir Kenny Douglas, we had great players coming through the street, so I'm really glad to say that, that that's coming back a lot of this, you know let's play the game and let's learn by doing, you learn to drive a car by driving a car, you learn to play the piano by playing a piano, let's build into a lot of our organised soccer practice, learn by playing and that was one of the benefits I found from that pickup programme that, that, that we put on as well um, because I identified that the kids need to just play more football with less adult intervention, you or the adults actually you know stifling the creativity and, and coaching the wrong thing so i was delivering lots of yeah let's play you know 3v3 4v4 5v5 and that brings millions of benefits but also brings a couple of barriers that, that player who has gone through their growth spurt or has more a higher football age as we've spoke about or maybe just genuinely a little bit more talented dominating the game getting all the touches of the ball that's a barrier there if you just play the game the, the young boy or girl coming along for the first time and they've not actually decided if they like soccer yet or they're not comfortable with it they don't know what way to shoot or they don't know the rules that's a barrier if you just throw them in to play in the game And then, of course, you have the coaching barrier. You know, uh, Sean has to work on his passing, but David has to work on his dribbling. Rebecca has to work on her shooting, but Sarah has to work on her tackling. So I'm playing all these games in 3v3, 4v4, and I'm finding lots and lots of benefits. But I'm thinking, can we actually have a, a small intervention to try and take away some of those barriers as well? And that's where Scoreboard Soccer came in. Long before I had a fancy name and a fancy logo for it, all I was doing was, on the side of our game of 3v3 and 4v4... I always say to the guys, right, you know, we're playing 4v4 as we do so often, but I've put this challenge at the side. And what you need to do is you need to come over, kick the ball, and try and hit the crossbar. Okay? So the, the score line isn't the score in the game because we're all working on different things and we're all in different journeys in our development. The score line is what team hits the bar the most or what individual player hits the bar the most. Uh, and then they're saying, okay, coach, how do we get sent over there? Uh, all I'm going to do is try and catch you doing good. So a bit of effort, a bit of hard work, a little bit of communication. If I've been working on Sean to pass the ball a little bit more and he tries to pass the ball, regardless of success, if he tries to do it with what we've been working on, Okay, Sean, come to a shot at the crossbar challenge. And I just found that little intervention had so many benefits. So David, who is getting all the touches of the ball because he's a little bit more advanced, does something really, really good. And the coach says, David, come for a shot at crossbar challenge. And the ball just gets shared a little bit more because David's off the pitch. But if Sean's not getting a lot of touches, you know, Sean, come over for the crossbar challenge. And now he's doing something individually at the side. So th- that, that's where it came from. You know, we've got beat the goalie, crossbar challenge. We've got some fun ones that are just like the water bottle flip challenge and flip the cone and find the uh, you know 50 cents piece underneath the cone. We've got all these little fun ones. I've been doing them for years. Never thought of a name or a logo, but it was actually, you know, the pandemic and lockdown where I was able to start to use digital platforms such as Zoom and social media. You know, we're all locked in the house. I can't go out and coach. I can't do what I love to do. And I just started to say, guys, here's some of these really fun games. If anybody wants to do them when we when we come out of lockdown, and that's when people started to say, what do you call these games? And I was like, I don't know, you know. And I came up with Scoreboard Soccer. And where can we access these games? And I'm lucky enough that my younger brother's a website designer, so we made scoreboardsoccer.com. And it's a snowball that just keeps growing. I'm I'm so fortunate that more and more people are finding out about these small interventions, uh, Scoreboard Soccer games and they're giving them a try.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any comments or questions, visit my website, SeanKJensen.com and go to the contact page where you can even leave me a voice recording. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you again next time.